Welcome to the Self-Publishing School Podcast. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an aspiring writer or an author who wants to be more successful. On this show, you'll learn how to write and launch a book successfully, all from the top authors and people just like you who are doing it at the highest level. I'm your host, Chandler Volt, the founder of Self-Publishing School, the author of the book called Published, and the CEO of selfpublishing.com. For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Bolt here, and joining me today is my good friend, uh, Pat Flynn. I'm super excited to have Pat here. You, um, so Pat is the host of the Smart Passive Income podcast and blog. You may have heard of him. Uh, he's also the author of three books, Let It Go, Will It Fly, and his most recent book, Superfans. Um, which I'm in the middle of right now on audio. Love that you narrated the audio book, by the way. Also love the sidebars. Um, but a uh, really great book. And you may remember, Pat, from episode 19 of Self-Publishing School Podcast. Um, so on that episode, we kind of unpacked his first two books uh, and how he self-published his way onto um, the Wall Street Journal list. If I'm remembering offhand, it was, I think, uh, 17,000 or 19,000 copies sold within the first little bit. So there's a lot of really good lessons. So if you're interested in those lessons learned uh, and all that stuff, definitely check out that podcast interview. Um, but today we're going to talk about super fans and we're going to talk about the launch. We're going to talk about lessons learned. We're going to talk about how does this fit into the ecosystem uh, that he's building uh, and all that good stuff. But Pat, really great to have you here. Thanks for having me back, man. I didn't realize it was that long ago. Episode 19 Yes. And uh, congrats on the show and all, all, all you've helped uh, out with other people's successes too. And I'm just stoked to come back and give people an update and um, just, just get people up to date because there's just so many things that have happened. Actually, like before we move on to Superfans, if you don't mind, I'd love to share sort of an update result of Will It Fly 100%. that I think yep. would be really helpful here up front in the show. So you might remember that we talked about the idea of collecting an email address through your book, which unfortunately Amazon doesn't give you the list, obviously, although that would just solve everybody's problems. We have to work as authors to get those emails. And in Will It Fly, I included a companion course, sort of a different kind of bonus to offer yep. in exchange for an email. I have some data now to share now, four years later, how that's done. So we've sold about 70,000 copies of that book at this point, which is really great. And that's across the whole board, Amazon, uh, physical book, uh, Audible, et cetera. We've been able to convert 53% of readers into our email list as a result of a companion course, literally a course on a, a course platform. I use Teachable. It could be whatever, really. And it's just a supplemental sort of guide to go along with the book. And it's just blew me away how incredible it's done of a job of getting people to go, yeah, I want that. Here's my email. And of course, when you have a book and you know you have an email, you know exactly where every individual is in their journey because they're in that book with you. And then that, that book has led to future online courses, has led to, like, I could simply just send an email and go, hey, I need a, I need a few hundred reviews today. And I don't do that all the time. That's, you want to do that sparingly. But that email list is so important. So the companion course to go along with that has proved to be extremely valuable in my business overall. So I just wanted to kind of present that to mm, you. because That's great. From, I, for, and, and I know you, you have your own specific methods of, of, of teaching that as well, but the companion course in particular, like I just wanted to share that because it's, it's just kind of blown me away and I've seen numbers unlike anywhere else. That's awesome. And so it's funny because I actually wanted to get to that specific topic. So okay. let's just start there and then let's, let's go it. to, and then we can go to Superfan. So this was actually one of the things I wanted to ask about is, is companion courses? Because I saw that you've got one. 
um, for super fans. You've got one for Will It Fly. I saw you've got 900 reviews, 900 plus reviews at the time of this recording on Will It Fly. And so it sounds like a lot of that has come from built engagement and from the companion course. Can you kind of unpack, like, what's the thought process behind the companion courses um, for these books? You've obviously shared some of the results for Will It Fly. What's worked well there? And then how do you transition that into other revenue streams? Sure. So the inspiration for the companion course actually came as a result of a show that me and my wife are big fans of called The Walking Dead. More so fans of the earlier seasons, not the later ones, so we don't have to get into that. But I remember that oftentimes before the show would come on on AMC, they would pitch, well, go to walkingdeadstorysync.com so you can get the behind the scenes sort of watch and learn as, you, as we go in this next upcoming episode. And what happens is if you go to walkingdeadstorysync.com, literally while the episode is playing, you get these amazing sort of insights about the scenes that you're watching, all it took to kind of put those things together, all the makeup, and it would even quiz you along the way. And it was just like a very interesting way to get more than just what you saw. And so I wanted to pull inspiration from that and go, okay, well, how can I provide more to the reader than what they're reading? Well, let's do something similar, a companion course. And so essentially, I just set it up on Teachable. Every lesson is the same as every chapter in the book. And essentially, any link that's mentioned in the course or in the book is in the course. Any image that's black and white in the book is high res and color in, in, in the course. Every sort of example that I share, some, some, some examples that are a little bit more tough to sort of figure out via text, like uh, setting up a Google Drive to create a spreadsheet to keep track of your data. Well, here's a video inside the course to help you. So very valuable. It, it, standing alone, the course does nothing, but it's with the book that it is powerful. Now, I mentioned the course at the beginning. I essentially have like a sales page, if you will, for getting in the free course to share why it's valuable and why people should sign up. And I actually, the quick trick there is I have it, um, you know, willitflybook.com slash step one. So I make it step one. It's like, hey, the first uh, thing you should do yeah. is get in the course. And That's then throughout great. the book, it mentions it again when relevant. And it's a different URL every time, but it essentially just always leads people back to, uh, to the course. And so um, it's, it's mentioned, I think, 20 times throughout, but it's mentioned in a, in a way where it doesn't seem like it's just like drilling people in the head. It's like, hey, we have a video on how you can do this that will walk you through and make it so much easier for you. Check it out in the bonus course if you haven't checked that out already. And that's, that's kind of how it was run. And we did the same thing for super fans. And it's just, it just works so, so well. And when you can position it as, well, it's just, it's just going to help your experience through this and help you get results even faster, well, then it's a no-brainer for people. That's awesome. So let's, let's kind of unpack that a little bit. So you said 50%, was it 53% of 70,000 book buyers mm -hmm. have convert from Will It Fly have converted into the companion course. And, right. and so that's where it's plugged. Um, and the beginning of the book is step one and then multiple URLs that all direct back to that. Correct. Then where do they go from there how, like, why is that important and how does that lead to um, revenue for, for smart price of income? Great question. So a couple uses of this email list now. Now, of course, I can, through Teachable at least, and all these other ones do the same thing, I could see and, and track their completion of the course. So I, I know that if they get stuck in the middle, for example, I can send all those people an email and say, hey, I noticed that, you know, perhaps you haven't picked up Will It Fly in a while. I haven't seen you logged into the companion course. Just wanted to make sure you're okay. And that's really cool because what author does that to go and check on their reader to make sure they're going through? I think that just shows that you are actually 
um, somebody who supports and cares that, that, uh, of that person. Uh, of course, when a person completes the course, you can do some great things like send them an automated email to go, hey, I hope you enjoyed the book. If you wouldn't mind, I would love if you left a review, it'd be really helpful, all that kind of stuff. So you can get sort of automatic reviews in that sort of way too. But where it's really powerful is now that we know where they're at in the story, in the customer journey, they're just getting started with their business. That's who buys Will It Fly? Well, I have some additional supplemental material that could potentially help them. So if you've provided value, and especially in the way that a course, a companion course can, well, if you have sort of step two or what happens next, well, it's just a, it's just a perfect progression because especially my courses are also in the same program. They've already logged in and gotten their username. They've already get a sense of my teaching style. If they want more of that and they wanna go deeper, well, it's a very simple ask in a non-aggressive way because they've already gotten experience from me. We've already built that relationship through the book and the companion course. They've seen my face already in my teaching style. Well, it's just very simple to have sort of a follow-up sequence, you know, uh, weeks and or months later, hopefully maybe sooner than later, to just offer something that could help them even further should they need it. In addition to that, I can, I can offer other things, like maybe they already have a business up and running, and, and that's great. And using ConvertKit, which is the email service provider I use, many others do the same thing. You can begin to track what it is that they might need help with next, in which case you can offer something to help them in that, in that situation. So I can make money ad additionally through not just book sales alone, but specifically through course sales of things that matter to these people. In addition, even if you don't have any course offerings yet or anything else that you could, you could offer next, you have an email list of your target audience. And you can just simply have conversations or run surveys to understand a little bit more about what their biggest pains and problems are, what their biggest weaknesses are, so that you can come in and create something, whether it's a digital product, a physical product, a service, or what have you, to sort of help them along uh, in the journey. It's so important to have that email list because that enables you to have communication, to understand what their struggles are and create something that can help them get to the other side. That's amazing. And I love that because it's so true. And, and you know, instead of like most, in most cases, people are paying to get leads. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're getting paid to build a ridiculously engaged audience. I mean, the people who go into this companion course, they are reading the book which means they're spending hours with you, especially if it's the audiobook, they're literally spending hours with you. And then going into that companion course, and I just interviewed uh, Dane Maxwell about his book, Start From Zero. Mm. And we were talking about, so, cause, so he did something similar with a companion course. And we were just talking about how it's such a kind of circle of life, if you will, because the companion course drives more people to buy the book because it's helpful on its own. I know it's not like fully course on its own, but it's still helpful, right? Mm -hmm. And then that drives people into the book. The book, the book drives people into the companion course and both things help them better get results from the book and actually implement the book. So at the end of the day, you're better achieving your goal as an author, which is to help people with the book. But then you're also, I mean, 50 something percent of buyers, book buyers, into subscribers that's insane right i mean and and these aren't people who like you said got something for free they're they're book buyers they've spent money and could potentially right. spend more money with you one right. thing that i wish i did differently because i don't do everything perfect not not by far um i i wish we injected more opportunities for people to take what they've done in the companion course and create very shareable moments in there we have we didn't uh, build in shareable right. moments because right. when a person has those shareable moments obviously they want to share on social which mm -hmm. then in turn gets people interested in, well, where, where's that from? Yeah. Like, tell me, tell me more about right. that. Oh, you got to check out Pat's book or Dane's book and, and it can right. get more people in and then sort of create another sort of cycle from there. 
Right. Yeah. And, and it's what we talk about a lot is like increasing the viral coefficient, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, Jonah Berger, contagious. So it's like, how can you, and I think you're really good at this. And this is, you know, it's funny, this in essence is the concept, which we'll talk about in a second, about of super fans. <laughs> um, it it kind of boiled down, but it's, it's how do you turn one book purchaser into one more or three more or five more or 20 more, whatever, by adding insane value and also b- increasing your viral coefficient. Now, well, this is the curve. Last question kind of on that, with that? I said, this is the curve we don't want to flatten. We want the spike. What, say that again? Oh, oh yeah. Sorry, yeah. We're, we're recording this right now during the sort of pandemic that's happening. We keep hearing right. flatten the curve, but we can, we can increase the curve here if we do. Yes, right. yes. And it but, keeps getting, it, yeah, keeps, it keeps growing. <laughs> so kind of last question on the companion course, and then we'll roll into, uh, into super fans. What would you say, I mean, I know this is really hard to estimate, but from all those, maybe this is specific to Will It Fly, like how many reviews would you say have come from the fact that you have a companion course and how much revenue would you attribute to your business from that? I mean, reviews, I would say over 90% of them came as a result of things that were built into the, the book itself uh, and with yeah. the course to, to, to serve yeah. that. Um, and then, you know, revenue wise, I mean, really, I, I didn't even have an online course before Will It Fly. And right. that's kind of what inspired me to go further in serving my audience. Uh, I was making money mostly through just affiliate marketing and recommendations before. Right. And so to be honest, like this started the whole set of online mm. courses that I have now, which has earned over three, uh, $3.5 million over the last four years. And with my beginner's course alone, I mean, something that is really cool that happened is that we just recently gave away over a million dollars worth of that course to help people in need during this time, during this pandemic. But even before that, I mean, we're, we're in mid six figures to a million dollars on that one course alone, which again, is just an extension of the book itself. It, it literally is the book, just more detailed yeah. with handholding and accountability and a little bit of access to me uh, along the way. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a huge game changer, just one book. And sometimes people, right. th- their whole goal is just to get the book. But I would say like, as you know, learning from here, well, what's after the book? What comes next? How, how can right. you go further with your people? The book is the beginning of the conversation. Yeah. Exactly. So let's talk super fans. You know, you've done these two books. They've done well. Why write super fans? Why do another book? Well, super fans in particular, the interesting thing about super fans was the uh, book actually was not the first thing that displayed and shared this information that I had. It was actually a, a presentation. So starting in 2011, I started speaking on stage a lot, started to get really good at it and started to go all over the world to share information. And the one talk that everybody asked me to continue to do and I would get paid for eventually was this talk about converting your casual audience into raving fans. That was the name of the talk. And it always was a big hit. And I have to give credit to Jay Bear from Convincing Convert who reached out to me after watching my presentation at Social Media Marketing World a a number of years back. He said, Pat, this information is so good and so needed right now. Like you should please, like, please turn it into a book. And I was like, ah, I don't know. Like, you know, I can, I can just present about this, but he's like, well, yeah, but people are only getting it when they see you on stage, you could scale this message. And it's so important. And, so, and Jay being very much in the social sphere knew how important this was because at the time, this is when we started to see things like Facebook and Instagram start to get in the way of the audience that said they wanted to, wanted to hear from us. You, you, you kind of have to pay to play now and these algorithms and all these things getting in the way and SEO and things changing overnight. It's very hard. But when you build super fans, you have business insurance that is agnostic to platform, meaning no matter what happens in tech or your website or whatever, if you have super fans, they're going to show up for you no matter what, no matter yes. where. 
because they care about you and your brand and what you've been able to offer them. And not only that, your super fans, like if I were to ask you, you know, uh, where in your audience are most of your repeat customers coming from, your engagement, your, 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 the people who share your stuff the most, it's coming from the community and the fans that you've built, not from the people who just found you from SEO or people who have heard you on a podcast for the first time. That's just the beginning of the conversation or somebody who's just bought your book for the first time. It's like when you hear a song, you might like a song and you might go, oh, that, that song's cool, but you're not a fan of the band immediately. It's listening to the song over and over again and then buying the album and then going to the concert and then all these little moments that happen over time that turn into you being a fan such that you're now wearing the t-shirt or flying that flag really high that other people can see it too and they want to join in. And that's the other cool thing about super fans. They'll bring new people into your business for you. And they're not going to come in cold. They're coming in warm already because they're coming from a recommendation, which is much stronger than you could do on your own kind of cold reaching out to people. So this is why super fans are really key and why I'm just all in on them. And it's not something that you can create overnight with a person. This is why it's hard. The cool thing about what we do as marketers is like we have these things called funnels where we could literally just, okay, the moment we have a person read our book or find our website or subscribe to our, our email list, we build these systems so that people come in from the top and it's just like gravity. They just come through. Some of them become subscribers. A certain percentage becomes customers. And then that's like calculated and it's fun and, and you can you know pay for ads because you know you're paying for a dollar to get $2 back and it just becomes automatic. But the problem with automation like that is, well, we forget about the customer journey because our whole goal in the funnel is to get people to come to our website or read our book or whatever the first step is. And then we feel like we're done. Everything else happens after that. But when it comes to building super fans, that's just the first part of this process because it's about the moments you create for them over time that make them become a fan and help them support you in your business. So this is why super fans was really important. And so I wanted to convert this essentially presentation into a book. So I kind of had an idea of what I wanted it to be like, but that's a completely different medium. And so I, I knew what stories I wanted to tell. I knew the sort of general framework, but I needed some help. So I don't know if you wanted me to go into the story about like how yeah, I- Yeah, let's, let's do that. Yeah, the, the writing, because I know that was a winding road. It was a winding road. First of all, let go was a little easy because it was my story and it was like all me and it's very much more emotional. It wasn't necessarily like strategy or anything about how I got laid off in 08. Will It Fly was a hard task for me and I was very scared to go back into writing a book again. And I knew that I just didn't have the time to do it. So I knew that- you know, being a person all about productivity and optimization that I could potentially find somebody to help me write the book. And I knew a lot of friends who did this too. And I was a little bit worried about that initially because I don't want somebody else to just write it for me and then I slap my name on it. I still want it to be from me. So there are these companies out there that you could hire for a load of money to have them interview you for a very long period of time to collect these stories, to ask you questions, to essentially interview you in a way where they, they can then take that transcript from those interviews and turn them into a book. And I was like, this is perfect. I can just do this maybe when I'm on the road or just, you know, even while doing a workout, I can answer questions and sort of do multiple things at once. And we did it. We, we got the interviews done. It took like three or four months, hired this company. They got, they, they had a really good team interview me and, and, and extrapolate the outline. And then a couple months went by and they gave me the first examples of the transcript of, of the manuscript, which is like, okay, we, we want to get your voice right and see if it works. And even though it was my stories and my words, it just didn't feel like me. It didn't feel like me. And I was like, I don't know. I just, just feels a little bit disingenuine, even though that's what I said. It doesn't feel like the way that they took my stories and turned them into book didn't, didn't work. And so I kind of gave up on it. 
few months go by, they come back to me and they go, Pat, we, we, we feel bad that this didn't work out the first time. Let's do it again. We'll hire somebody else to interview you, my top guy, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna knock this out of the park for you, right? And I was like, okay, like that sounds great. Thank you so much. And, and I, just, I just felt it wasn't the right time, but yeah, let's do it. So we went through the whole process again. I got the manuscript after months and I read it and it was a different part of the book because maybe the first chapter was a little bit more personal and we wanted to choose another chapter just to see if the voicing was right. It didn't feel right. And I was bummed because I was like, this was supposed to be my ticket to writing super fans easy on the, on the side, essentially. And I just took it as a sign that, well, I, I guess this is not meant to be because I, I had four other businesses to run. I didn't have the time to do it. But there was this energy in me that needed to come out to want to share this information. Like I kept thinking about Jay and all the other people, especially when more and more algorithms were getting in the way of people reaching their audiences. I was like, this message has to get out there. So in November of 2018, I participated in something called NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writers Month. And this is a month every November together and they are tasked or challenged to write 50,000 words in those 30 days of November. So I was like, okay, I think I can try this. And I remember I, I knew I also needed people to hold me. I shared with my audience, like to hundreds of thousands of people. All right, guys, I'm going to write a book, which side note, I always let people in on when I'm starting something, not just for accountability, but because I want them to follow along on the journey. This made it so much easier to market later, just FYI, because they already were following this process as soon as it began. And I always love keeping my my people just sort of in the know because by the time it comes out, they've already heard about it and they're interested. Sure. So yeah. I knew that that was part of the plan too. So I said, okay, guys, we're going to do a fun little contest every day. I'm going to give a copy of Will It Fly to somebody who guesses the closest to the amount of words I'm going to write every single day without going over. So it became a fun little game. So I remember the first day, I'm like, okay, guys, I'm going to start writing tomorrow. Tomorrow's November 1st. How many words do you think I'm going to write? And they were like, 1,600, 2,000. You could write 5,000 words, Pat. It's going to be amazing. And I wrote the first day and I wrote 250 words. And I felt so deflated because there were all these expectations, but I wanted to be honest with my audience. So I was like, okay, okay guys, nobody won. Nobody guessed correctly without going over because I only wrote 250 words. I'm so sorry, but I promise I'm going to keep going at it because I know this is how it goes. It's a slow start. Things that are at rest tend to stay at rest unless forced on by an outside uh, mm. force. Mm -hmm. so, um, I was mm -hmm. like, I'm gonna keep writing. So I was like, okay, what's your guess for tomorrow? And they're like, 150, 250. I was like, thanks guys, I appreciate it. Uh, but anyway, the next day it was like 300, and then 500, and then 1,000, and then 1,500, and then it just started flowing, dude. Like, I, like seriously, Chandler. Like, it was like it was meant to be. Eventually, I was writing, you know, four or five thousand words a day by the end of the month. Now I didn't finish by November 30th. I finished actually on my birthday, December 6th. So just about a month. And I had my first draft already. And my team was like waiting for this to finally happen because I had told uh, them for the last like, you know, year and a half that <laughs> was coming, but it never worked out with that other, other crew. They were great people. I'm not saying anything bad about them. It just didn't work for me. It works for a lot of other right. people. This book in particular, it didn't work for me, but I found a way to make it work. And then six months later, we released it at FlynnCon, my in-person event in San Diego. We gave it away to everybody for free. And we had this massive launch and people knew it was coming already. And uh, we made a huge deal about it. And um, the other interesting thing about this book in particular was, although it was still self-published, we were still able to get it into Barnes and Noble and a lot of other physical bookstores too. It was even available at airports, even though it was self-published, mm. which was a cool, right. thing, which was a fun thing too. So I don't know if you want to go into sort of yeah. how the book got out there, but any, anything else yeah. you want to talk about? 
Cool. Let's, let's earmark that and come back to that in just one second. I'd love to, love to kind of dig in a little bit. Like, why do you think the ghostwriting piece didn't work? And what was the trigger for you to say, all right, I've got to write this myself and, and like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. I don't think the ghostwriting worked, even though I believed in the process, I don't think it worked because number one, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. And so that perfectionist in me probably got in the way that being said, I think it was great that I, I said no, although it would have been okay if I said yes, like the book would have still gotten done, but for whatever reason, and, and I think if you're reading the book or I know you're listening to it, it's a lot of personal stories, right? Like it starts off with a story about my wife being a fan of the Backstreet Boys and this thing we found in the closet of all our bobbleheads and action figures and stuff. I didn't know, I didn't even know this existed. Um, that's how much of a fan she is of Backstreet Boys. Plus I'm an NSYNC fan. So like somehow we still ended up marrying each other. Uh, like, <laughs> it was very personal. And I think because of that, it was hard for other people to kind of figure out the nuances of these relationships that I have and these stories that I'm telling. And I think that was, that was a hard part. I think if, if, for example, you're writing a book that's maybe more Malcolm Gladwell-like with a lot of case studies and uh, facts and, 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 and really interesting sort of aspects of that. I think it, it might be a little bit easier. Um, but I think that that was the reason for me. And then in turn, and then what was your second question? I'm sorry. Yeah. What was the, what was the trigger to where you said, okay, uh, I'm not, okay, this, this isn't going to work, but I need to write this myself. And then what kind of triggered you to come to that realization and then get started? Thank you. Um, I think it was number one, my team had been just waiting forever for me to do this. And, and we had plans, like literally our launch plan was to launch it at the first FlynnCon and it was coming up. So I was like, all right, I need to do this, but I need like a space in my head to do this. So I think a lot of us, we have these plans for things like writing a book, but it could always be put off. And when you have a deadline, number one, but number two, you actually have an honor, a time for you to just sit down and write. Like I'm going to start on this date and hopefully end by this date, no matter what things start moving. Like I said, it's like physics. And, and I think it was those two things combined that really accounted for me finally getting up and, and doing it. And plus just the, 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 the purpose of the book itself. I think I, I, again, believe in the message and it was so important. I felt every day I didn't have it out there was a day that somebody was, you know, losing the ability to grow their audience and build fans. Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right, so if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. That's great. I appreciate you sharing that because it's, you know, I, I think it can work for a lot of people. And I just can't tell you how many people that I've talked to that it's like, it, it feels like a shiny thing. Like, oh, no worries on the side. Let's yeah, just, yeah. let's just do this and it's have someone write it and whatever. But it, it, I think for a lot of people, they, they go back to the drawing board and you end up having to write it yourself because you feel, mm -hmm. you know, you read it. And I always imagine like you, maybe you're similar, like if I, every time I read the rough draft of something that I've written, I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> you know, like that's the feeling every time, every time you read your own rough draft. And then I imagine paying someone a lot of money and reading that rough draft. And I'm going to be a whole lot empathetic, less empathetic. Cause I'm like, 
not only is this not me, but I paid a lot of money to get this. Right. So I think it's, it, I appreciate you sharing that. And just like, it's a, it's a, it's a tough realization, but the fact that you did that speaks to, I think the essence of this whole super fans philosophy. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like put extra in this to make sure I can put my stamp on it and to make sure that it really drives home and really adds value for the audience for the readers. Right. And it was, it was for my fans, right. To write it. I think it, it was a little bit of, well, is it kind of disingenuous to like have somebody right. else write it when I'm writing it for them? Uh, right. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, so let's talk about the um, Barnes and Noble and airport bookstores. How'd you do that with a self-published book? Cause I think most people, they just, you know, throw away the key. Like that just can't happen if I'm self-publishing. How did you pull that off? Well, I was actually able to do this with Will It Fly also, but I did it in kind of a backdoor way. Mm-hmm. And so with Will It Fly, again, also self-published, um, it, 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 I was like, oh, I had a theory. And my theory was, well, if a bunch of people ask for it at a Barnes right. & Noble, wouldn't they want to ha- actually have it in store? Yeah. I was like, okay, well, I have this massive audience, like we could mobilize them and just see what happens. So it was, it was kind of a, two, of a two-step process. Number one, I uh, got the book on Ingram Spark, right, on Ingram, so that it was available to Barnes & Noble. So that was step one. And I just experimented to see if I could even go to the counter to order it myself. And so I went to Barnes & Noble one day, and I was like, hey, I'm looking for a book called Will It Fly? And they were like, oh, we don't have it here, but we could order it for you. Would you like me to, to, to order it? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I, I want to see what the process is like. And, you know, I thought that might be cool, my first book at Barnes & Noble, even though I ordered it. And the funny thing was they were like, okay, well, what's your name? And I was like, oh, crap. Like, I don't want to say my own name because that's weird to, like, order your own book at a point. So I was like, oh, my name's Rob. And I made up some last name or something. My name's Rob. And, um, you know, it's funny because, you know, a couple of days went by and I was in the van with my, my kids and my wife and then my phone rang and I got it on speaker and they're like, hey, this is Barnes Noble. Is Rob there? And my wife's like, what? Who's that? And I, I look at her and I go, this is Rob. <laughs> and the kids were like, like they had no idea what was going on. Anyway, I was like, okay, and it was available and I picked it up and I, I still have that book with the receipt in it because it was like a really special moment. Oh, like, that's cool. But I was like, okay, people can get it. That's great. Then I asked my audience, okay, if you go to Barnes & Noble on this day, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I forgot what I gave away for free or something, but I, I gave them something special. And I was like, go to Barnes & Noble, ask for the book. You don't have to purchase it. I just want to see if, 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 it, like, if this does anything. So I think we had like 500 people all around the U.S., go to Barnes and Noble and they like took a photo that was like their proof with the person at the counter. And it was, it was like a big deal, but then it was like, we heard nothing for a couple months. I mean, it wasn't going to happen overnight, but I was just like, ah, oh, what, like what would happen? And I remember going to Barnes and Noble here in San Diego a couple months later and I walk in and I see my book on the bookshelves and I was like, it worked. And then I brought my kids over and I filmed it and I have it on YouTube where I filmed the reaction. Cause actually in 2012, I blogged, that, I, that one day I would love to take my kids. This was when, when my daughter was born. Uh, I'd love yeah. to take both of my kids to the bookstore and show them my uh-huh. book. And my kid was there. I was like, daddy, that's your book. And I was like, uh, crying. And it was like, it was a really good moment. Um, with super fans, I knew that there were other better ways to get in, even if you're self-published. And it's all about connections. Who do you know who has an in with a buyer at Barnes & Noble? That's really what, what the thing is. So a lot of publishers have those kinds of relationships. But if you're self-publishing, you don't. However, there's a lot of hybrid models now 
And there's a lot of different companies that do this. I went with one that was recommended to me by a good friend, New Type Publishing. Ryan over there did an amazing job and he has those connections with Barnes & Noble. Now, the difference here is it was no longer print on demand. Now we had to order, you know, 20,000 copies up front, which felt like a guessing game, to be honest. And it was a lot of money invested up front, about $50,000, $60,000, you know, three, about three, a little less than $3 per book. The more you order, the less it costs. But it was like, wow, okay, we have to play the inventory game now. And luckily they also help fulfill. So they would send to Barnes & Noble, Amazon orders. They would, they would, they have control over that. So it's sort of a hybrid model when it comes to royalties. It's, it's, it's not like a traditional model where you get an advance and then you're making like a dime for every book. Like I literally still make 75% on every book now, which I thought was a good, uh, a, a good happy medium there. And um, the airport run was interesting though, because they were like, oh, we have the opportunity for super fans to be in airports. And I was like, yes, do it. And they were like, well, it's going to cost you money on top of what you paid already. So you pay to get into these airports. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Right. Um, so I paid, I think, seven grand to get into, I don't know, 60 airports around the US for a two month period or something like that. Um, those aren't the exact numbers, but ballpark. And I don't think we had an actual ROI there, like a positive ROI directly, but there was definitely a social ROI that came with that. Because I would tell people, hey, if you're at the airport, go check out the bookstore, find Superfans, shoot me a photo. And, and, and that just provided a lot of like, like authority and social proof, right? So that, I think for that reason, it was pretty cool. But I, you know, I don't necessarily think it's, it's, it's 100% worth it if you're just looking to get immediate money coming back. And again, the value of Superfans is, is, is what it's doing in my brand to help people, not necessarily 100%. the money that the book's making. It's making money. Right. And actually, it's making more money on Audible than it is anywhere else. And that's cool. But it's again, building the email list, providing good information, showing up for people, and then in turn, potentially having a person come into my course, already knowing who I am and, and being sort of uh, confident in their investment. So that's kind of the, the story behind Superfans. That's great. And I want to earmark and come back to the audiobook thing. I know, um, I can't remember, I interviewed Jay Papasan of The One Thing, um, one of my favorite books of all time. And, and he's also come in and done like, a, we did it as our company book club and he came in and do it, did a Q&A with the team. They love that. Oh man, it was awesome. Uh, but I can't remember if it was on the interview on the podcast or if this was just in our conversations, but I know that he, they did a bunch of book um, airport buys for The One Thing and he is just maniacal about stat tracking. And the interesting thing for him, because I think there's, like you said, it's like you can either do it as a social play. In some cases, you can actually pay, like you can get an ROI on it. It's very tricky. Um, or for some people, it's if you have higher end clients, it's the it's getting leads, referrals, and sales for your business. Like I think for most people, that's like, that is the one way that is the clearest, easiest path to ROI. But one thing he said about airport bookstores, which I thought was super interesting, is that they watched all the numbers and they were spending per week and then you can pay extra, have the end cap and different things like that. Mm -hmm. But is they got velocity with the book and because the viral coefficient was good and because the book's really good, it's like they got velocity and then it got in the top list and so that it didn't have to pay anymore. So then, it, then they almost like bought their way into getting the top 10, top 20, because, you know, they have the featured top 20 airport um, selling books, or, yeah, or I forget if it's like Wall Street Journal, or there's like the actual list and then their bestsellers and stuff like that. But then it was featured and then it stuck. Yeah, and, and, and then that made any buys that they would make moving forward more efficient and more effective, which was like, oh man, that's really interesting. 
but you mentioned, and we're in the home stretch here, uh, you mentioned uh, the books, the majority of the royalties um, are coming from Audible. Why is that? Is there anything special that you've done to market the Audible version? I mean, obviously you have an audience of people who listen to audio via your podcast, but anything else? That's definitely a part of it. A lot of people know me for my voice. And so, you know, I went hard on, on my podcast to promote super fans. And I definitely talked about that. I read it myself and I also had some sort of additional bonuses in there too, sort of going off script a little bit, which is a technique I learned from Gary Vaynerchuk. I thought that was really interesting in his book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, kind of getting off script a little bit. And I wanted to do something different minus the swearing and, uh, you know, just add value. And I think it was also a thing that helped people who bought the physical book and, or the Kindle book also want to get the audible book too. And I didn't release all of them at the same time either. I do, I do the Kindle book plus the physical book for a month. And then the next month I, I come out with the audible book and that, that worked really well for us with Will It Fly uh, also. But with the audible book, there's a couple of cool, interesting plays, right? When a person gets audible for the first time, they get a free credit. And if they download your book first, like if they go through your link and they download your book first, you get a bounty fee as well. And that's a really big potential because you can get the royalty plus the bounty, which I think is five, uh, 50 bucks, which is pretty cool if they subscribe and they stay on and they download your book first. So there's a play there like, hey, get my book for free if you subscribe to Audible kind of, uh, kind of marketing message. Positioning can be really cool in that way. But in addition to that, I think there's just royalties on Audible are a lot more friendly. And, and especially with the longer the book is, because a lot of times the price is based on how long the book is. This book is you know, pretty average in length in terms of a business book. But it's, it's a good amount of hours, and those turn into dollars for you uh, with, with, your, with your book royalties, too, which is, which is really neat. And, of course, there's a lot of cross-promotion between Will It Fly and Superfans. So, you know, we have that email list from Will It Fly. It's, they, they have read my books. They've gotten the companion course. Here's another valuable book with a companion course that you can get access to. And, of course, we promote the Audible version there, too. And I think just in general, people are listening to a lot of books these days. And, you know, Audible's coming out with their originals as well. Um, yeah, I think, I think just th- th- there's trends in, in, in audio uh, for sure. Oh, 100%. So, yeah, I, I, would, I, would, I, would, I would definitely make sure that you have an Audible version of your book ready. Um, Absolutely. Because you'll capture a whole different audience. Totally. Some people will not read your book. doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's Kindle, physical copy, they're just not going to read it. <laughs> but yeah. they do have the time to listen to a podcast which is why your podcast is so popular. Um, well, one of many reasons, um, but also that I think that carries over into listening to the audiobooks. If you're looking to maximize your royalties, and it's one of the first things we always tell people is you got to have multiple formats. And, yeah. and so many people don't have the audiobook. So kind of final question or two, any, any other lessons that you learned from Will It Fly uh, and just kind of that whole process that carried into or that you changed based on that for the launch of super fans and anything that worked well? Well, the book itself, if it's done right, can sell more books. If you write a really good book, the book can potentially sell itself, but it has to have certain mechanisms in place for it to do that. A great example of somebody's book who sells itself essentially is Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, Hal Elrod right? Like you do the Miracle Morning. It's such a short book too. It's so easy to read. And then that night you go to bed early and you wake up early, you practice your savers in the morning, you know, meditation, all that stuff. And then people are like, Hey, why do you look so tired this morning? Oh, I got up early because I wanted to, you know, try this thing called miracle morning. It has a good name. Obviously it's very shareable. 
or they go, Hey, you have more energy than I've ever seen you have before. Like what, what changed? Oh, you got to check out this book, Miracle Morning. It's so easy to implement and then share. And that was the big thing about the Miracle Morning. That's how I interviewed Hal Elrod on my show. And he sold 500,000 copies in Brazil alone. Like that's how ridiculous this book has gone viral. Brazil alone, half a million copies. Um, will it fly? To get the results in Will It Fly takes a long time, a very long time. There's a lot of little micro moments of little micro wins that can happen. But the idea of starting a business and getting to the point at which you're comfortable sharing that with people is a long time. Versus with super fans, and we built it this way in particular, every chapter can get you a win. And it's very simple to do so. It just takes a few moments and there's exercises at the end of every chapter too to help with that. And that was the whole purpose of having these exercises at the end of the book. So, so that people can get results as they are reading through because doing a thing on social media to get like a 200% additional engagement than you normally have is just like an, an instant win for people. And then they're more likely to share it. So we're actually seeing with super fans better conversations happening about the book, even book clubs be, being formed to talk about and work through the book together that never happened. Oh, interesting. Right. So I think, I think with will it fly, it's like starting a business is very personal. You don't necessarily surround yourself around people who may support you with something new, like starting business all the time. Whereas if you pick up super fans, you already are an entrepreneur most likely or starting a business and have a circle of friends who all want to start to get those kinds of ways and build an audience together. It's just, it's just a much easier process. And because of that, it's getting shared more. So although will it fly has done extremely well, I would imagine that super fans with the type of content it is and being platform agnostic, it's, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to continue to rise and, and hopefully exponentially. Um, in terms of the launch, we definitely let people know that we were writing the book. As soon as I started, you know, being, as soon as the challenge started, that was like full on books coming and I kept people up to date all the time. We even built a launch team much sooner in the process too, which we did for Will It Fly, but that was sort of like right as it was starting to come out with marketing. Um, we did this even during the book creation process. We built a launch team and what was really cool is they helped influence a lot of what actually the book was about and what, what like how it was structured and helped us with decisions on the names of chapters and stuff. And when you can, when you can get your audience involved, they get invested in whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, so that was really cool. It's a great and then, and then um, you know, we we spent a lot of time with Will It Fly trying to game the whole like book deal process. I don't know where you you stand with that, Chandler, but like you know, hey, buy five books you get this bonus. Buy fifty books you get this bonus. Buy five hundred and you get like this thing. We were just like, let's not even worry about that anymore. Like let's just hone in on the individual user who's getting one book and making sure their experience is great. And how will they know about this book? How will they get excited about it when it comes out? How will they feel when they open it? How will they share it? All those kinds of things are sort of thought about versus like, let's just go gangbusters with trying to get, uh, you know, on a list or anything. And th this has not gotten on any list yet, but it's definitely gotten better, uh, better reviews and has helped to have people have a better experience with it. And to me, that's really what matters because if you hit a list, that's fine. That's great. And that was a huge bonus with Will It Fly. I didn't even think that was possible with the self-published book, but with super fans, Sure, we would have wanted to be on the list, but the fact that we're not doesn't matter at all. It doesn't take away from, from the whole purpose of writing this. And already it's starting to be shared in ways that Will It Fly wasn't. 100%. Because the list doesn't matter. It's about the long tail. And, it's, and I mean, it's cool the first time you hit it. Um, yeah. But I think that's what's so smart about you, what you've done here with the virality is that the conversations that are happening in the long tail, just like you were mentioned, uh, mentioning with Howard's book, Miracle Morning, like 
the long tail mm -hmm. is where you're truly building an, a movement. You're shifting the way that people think about the topic. You're planting your flag in this topic. A lot of super fans. It's just so smart. It's great. I was surprised when his book came out, he was like, I asked him like, how many did you sell in that first week? And he was like, I think we sold like 2000 and then like a thousand the next week and then like 500. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like that's like most books. And then it just like kind of yeah. skyrocketed after people started yeah. sharing it and talking about it and implementing it and getting results. It was, it was pretty incredible. That's amazing. Well, hey, last question, question, Pat. Um, so what would be your advice, you know, knowing what you know now, you're three books in, mm. you've, you've went about it a bunch of different ways. You've written different types of books. Like what would be your advice to Pat from three books ago? So the person who's listening to this, watching this, that's thinking, okay, I'm about to embark or I'm thinking about even embarking on my first book. Knowing what you know now, what would you say to that person? What would your advice be? My best advice would be to write like you, write like you write. Meaning, don't try to be like anybody else. Just get it out there and you don't have to be so complicated. I mean, I remember when I wrote, when I wrote Will It Fly, I was right in the middle of deep reading on a lot of uh, a lot of Malcolm Gladwell stuff. And what I really struggled with at first was like trying to write like Malcolm Gladwell. I was like, I need to do all these studies. I need to do all these experiments. And so, and I can collect that information and put it in this book and it'll be like awesome, like outliers or, you know, David and Goliath and all these other greats. Um, and it's, it's hard not to get influenced by an author you love in that way. It right? really sure is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But, yeah. But when I stepped into fully just being myself, and, and being okay with the fact that I have my own certain style of writing and just own that, I mean, things started to flow. And I think because of that, I have a very particular and very personal style of writing that people can connect to. And, and that's what works for me. And what works for you is whatever, it, whatever you're comfortable doing. So, so trying not to force it and just kind of trying to find the flow within that. And it's not going to happen right away is really key. And then the second thing is I would let, I would let people in on the process that you're writing this as early as possible for, for marketing purposes so that it's not not any longer a surprise so that with every milestone, you finish your first draft, you finish your first chapter, it becomes an announcement. People get like, get excited about it. You talk about it. By the time you come out with it, people are already just like, come out with it already. Like, give it to me. I want it. And it's not anything you, you, you even have to be aggressive about anymore, especially if you have an audience already. So, um, so yeah, that's the, the, those are the, the two big things. Cool. And I love, I love that because it builds buzz while also holding you accountable. <laughs> Just like the two things that you need as an author is someone to hold you accountable to get this thing done. But then also not just, I was in my cave. Oh, by the way, here's the book. Please buy it. Please buy it. Please buy it. Please buy it. Right. And everyone's just like, wait, what? Hold up. <laughs> what do you mean? This is the first I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Pat, this is amazing, man. Thank you so much. It's been great to catch up uh, and great to hear kind of all the lessons learned um, through multiple books. Um, as we kind of end here, um, where can people go um, to find your books, Superfans or any of your books, um, and, where, and just go find out more about you and what you're up to? Yeah, I mean, I would check out uh, the books on Amazon if you're interested in those. I'm also blogging a lot on patflynn.com. This is sort of a new personal site that recently came out that allows me to talk about things other than business, which I love talking about as well. Most people know me from smartpassiveincome.com, and we have a lot of resources there too for marketing and, and a lot of things related to books as well. However, patflynn.com, you can check out uh, a lot of things that are happening behind the scenes in my life there. 
as well as the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Pat Flynn. Currently, I'm going live every morning and helping people out answering questions. And I just run this fun live stream where we do fun things like sound effects like this and just like have a good time and answer questions and get things done and hold people accountable too. So uh, we'd love to see you there. And uh, yeah, thanks again for having me on Chandler. Just congrats on the podcast, everything you're doing for people. And uh, yeah, go write that book. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Pat. And you are uh, a lot of goals, live stream goals, backdrop goals, podcast goals, <laughs> book launch goals, mini course goals. Uh, thanks for breaking it all down uh, in this interview. As always, good to chat. My pleasure. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Self-Publishing School Podcast. I know there's so many places that you can be spending your time. There's other podcasts that you could be listening to, YouTube channels that you could be watching. Uh, so thank you so much. It means the world. Now, I want you to do three things right now if you found this episode. All right, number one, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a YouTube channel. It's a companion channel to this podcast. All the video versions of the episode or on the YouTube channel. So number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two, if you're listening to this podcast, wherever, whether this is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, number two, I want you to subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, and then number three, this is probably the most important, uh, leave a review on the podcast. All right, reviews are super important and help the podcast get discovered by other people. Uh, so number three, leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. If you're on the fence about scheduling a publishing consultation call with my team, maybe you're not quite ready uh, for that, I've got some free training that I think will be really helpful for you. All right, all you have to do is go to register to sign up. Go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. When you do, you're also going to get a free digital copy of my new book, Published. And on that training, you're going to learn the next step, so how to implement with your book. So how to write, how to publish, how to launch successfully. So go to register right now at selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. I'll see you there.